This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley with my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, good morning, Heidi, and uh, afternoon in New York, right? Uh, yes, it's like 2.41 right here. And we're going into February, Valentine's. Yep, it's February 3rd. So what, in a week or something is Valentine's, a week and a half? Yeah, and it, it, that's it's really, you know, you think of some of those holidays like Valentine's and Halloween and things like that as not being very major holidays, and but they're pretty major for people who have suffered a loss, you know, or can be. Yeah, I mean, I think if you have a spouse that's died, I think Valentine's Day is one of the big ones. Yeah, and how about kids, where they're making their little Valentines, too? That's true. Kids are making Valentines in school, et cetera, yeah, for their parents mm-hmm. and for, you know, for their family members. I agree with you, Mom. These can be really big holidays for yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of reminders. Yep, there is. All those hearts around, and it's all about love and, you know, and fun, and, and it's not a holiday Keeping that's... your family close and all that stuff. Yep, and it's not a lot of work, so, you know, it's just kind of a fun holiday. In, you know, in terms of that. So, yeah. So we understand for a lot of you it's going to be really tough and you need to plan what you're going to do that day and think about it maybe now and uh, maybe you'll decide to do something to honor your loved one. Uh, maybe get a candle or, you know, do a special treat for yourself or music that you like or, you know, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about what they might do, Hyde? Well, I'm just thinking about Ed Gray again. I mean, we had him on a couple of weeks ago. And this stuff is, he wrote a, an article that's on our site, and it was five different things that you can do during the holidays to honor your loved ones, and he had some really excellent ideas of just, just different things that you can do. So um, you might want to go on and look at some of his ideas I, yeah. you know, and apply them to, to this holiday. Yeah, and you'll see that we we have things posted on the front of our site about what you can do and, and about the holidays. So anyway, just want you to know that we're thinking all, of all of you. And uh, today we've got a great guest on. We're going to talk about f- why it's important to fully um, mourn our losses. And uh, it, it should be a really interesting show. Would you like to introduce our guest, Heidi? Sure. We're going to talk today with Leah Granick, and she's, a, she's getting a Ph.D. in psychology from York, York University in Toronto, Canada. Um, her mother died five years ago from cancer, and she's, becoming, uh, she's become an expert on grief and loss and writes for the Huffington Post, among other things. So, Liet, welcome to our show today. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, just to clarify, I finished my PhD a few years ago. So uh, oh, did you finish already? Yourself. Okay, you do. You, yeah. I am so sorry. Yeah. You have That's a PhD right. in psychology. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yes, not to be confused with getting a PhD. <laughs> You're not all the dissertation. Well, You're done. <laughs> I'm done. That's, uh, you are you completely know, done. accomplishment worth doing. announcing. Yes, it is a huge accomplishment worth announcing. And now you're doing research. Yes, correct. In the field. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for clearing that up. And, Liet, um, you kind of got in this field. Your mom uh, got cancer, right? Yeah. So um, I actually didn't start out uh, doing research in grief and loss or in the area of um, cancer. So I have kind of have two research areas. One is in grief and mourning, and the other area is in psycho-oncology. And psycho-oncology is the study of um, cancer patients and their families. 
Um, and the psycho-oncology track I started um, kind of doing on the side because my mom was diagnosed with cancer when she was when I was nine years old. She was 33. And so I kind of became interested in the topic of how do people with cancer and their families cope with the disease and all the kind of outcomes of the emotional outcomes of that. And then um, during my uh, degree in the middle of it, uh, I would say probably I was in my second year of the PhD. She died um, after 18 years of living with the disease. Wow. Yeah, and I just felt like at that point I, I couldn't, think about anything else or do anything else. I had to take a, a whole year off um, from the degree. And when I came back to it, I thought, okay, I really need to change my research area a little bit because all I could do was, was read about grief and loss. And I, I really tried to find um, something in the field that was um, reflective of my experience. And I, I really couldn't find very much. And so then I would turn to literature, I would turn to some of the self-help books, and I, I had a hard time finding something that was representing how I was feeling. And so I thought, okay, maybe I, I need to research this myself. And that's when I started um, doing research into the, to the area, and that's how I kind of came to that topic. Wow. And you and I were talking about the fact that you're, even in your dissertation, people didn't want you to mention your mother, right? Yeah, so the original, that's right, and so the original, um, when, I re- when I had produced the first draft, you know, I don't know, it was like 500 pages, it was very long, um, as first drafts of dissertations tend to be until they get cut down, but I talked a lot about my mom in there, and um, it wasn't just my mom who had died that year, I also had an aunt that I was close to that died, and a professor that I really cared about that died, and these were all kind of young women under the age of 40, um, and... Wow. Uh, yeah, it was it was a tough year, and and so I was writing about that as a motivation for wanting to write the dissertation, and and I was also I mean, there was something a little bit ironic about it too because I was also um, writing about why it was so important in academia or in the university to include your own personal experiences with your research, that it was more integrated and that it was something that was more lived, and so when I was asked to take out my personal narrative um, and, uh, you know, we negotiated and ended up being in the preface of the dissertation. Um, that was very telling about how um, the Academy tends to deal with grief. And, and mm-hmm. there was this kind of paradox because it was sort of what I was writing about and experiencing at the same time. Yeah, Heidi, uh, that's kind of the same thing happened to you, right? Yeah, I, I wasn't experiencing it. I mean, that's really intense. However... The only reason I went into the field of psychology is because my brother died, mm-hmm. which completely mm-hmm. turned my world upside down. And, and through the, my journey back to finding hope, I decided I wanted to help others who have been through the same thing and devote my life to you know grief and loss and become an expert on sibling loss. So going into the program, I knew I was going to do my doctoral dissertation on the sudden death of a sibling. When I mm-hmm. went to tell my committee, they told me I couldn't do it because it was mm-hmm. too near and dear to my heart and I had to choose a different topic. Well, that wasn't going to happen because that's the only reason I was there. So, you know, I kind of just pushed back as much as I could, and they finally came around and said, okay, you can do it. But I was met with so much resistance, saying you're too Mm -hmm. passionate, you're too attached. And to me, if you're attached and passionate and and have a lot of emotion around it, that's when you should jump on it and do it because you've got to live with this. And, you know, I, I just felt like, you know, it was so amazing to be able to go in and work with families who had been through something similar and design an intervention to help families find hope. 
and yet I was met with this resistance on the other side. It was interesting. Well, I was just going to say that I think that that's so reflective of what's actually happening with the research in the field and why there's such a mm-hmm. gap between the kind of research that's produced on grief and loss and what grievers and mourners actually experience. So, you know, we were talking earlier about um, grief being uh, pathologized or being turned into a disease and um, the psychiatric and psychological profession. And, and, you know, Heidi, both you and I are in, are in the profession, but there's, there's a, a group of people who want to put it into um, the diagnostics and statistics statistics manual of mental disorders, which means that it'll be turned into a mental disorder like, um, you know, anxiety disorders or depression disorders. And I think that part of that research comes out of not having that passion and that lived experience or not integrating Mm -hmm. it into the research. Because a lot of the times um, there seems to be this real par between what a mourner experiences on a day-to-day and what it feels like to, to be experiencing loss and how long it takes um, and, and how sometimes it's forever. You're living with your grief forever to the expectation in the field, in the research that you, um, you know, experience this as if it's just something you experience for a very short period of time and then you move on or you get over it and then it's not part of your life anymore. Um, well, well, I, I think agree with you. And I think yeah, the, the thing mm-hmm. that Gloria and you and I bring to the field is that we can go in and say to other professionals, you know, what our clients are going through or what the grieving community is going through, most of it is normal. It may not look normal for, to an outsider that hasn't been through it, but most of what we're talking about is just normal behavior. When you, when you love so much, you hurt so much, and this is what grief looks like. And, and I must say, too, abnormal is normal. I mean, doing crazy things when you're grieving is not, you know, we do some strange things when you're grieving. Right. Yeah. I mean, I remember, I remember, not to be graphic, but I remember there were a lot of people after 9-11, I've been working in the, with 9-11 families for many years now, who all they had were, were body, you know, bone fragments, and they would say goodbye to them and hug them and kiss them. And I remember the research team thinking that was odd. And mm-hmm. I, I came in and said, you know what, when that's all you have left of someone you really loved and cared about, that's not odd at all. That's normal. You're saying goodbye. Right. It's, it's, there's nothing wrong with that. So it was kind of the voice of what was normal. Right, so. right. Which, which Leah, gets me into uh, some of the other things you were talking about is you've been doing some, um, well, I, you tell us what it is, not exactly workshops. You've been getting, you got some financing to do two seminars, or what, what would you call them? Yeah, so I got funded by um, CIHR, which is the Canadian Institute of Health Research, to put together um, an international set of meetings on grief and loss, and the idea there was um, to bring together people who normally don't get to talk to each other, who do work or research or work in the community with people who are grieving, but who normally do that in silos. So you have, you know, a group of community organizations in Canada, it would be like Bereaved Families of Ontario. I know in the States there's, um, you know, Compassionate Friends, of course, and mm-hmm. um, Mad Drivers, uh, Mad Mothers Against Driving. So we had people represented from those groups, and we had um, clinicians, so clinical psychologists, social workers who deal with um, bereaved families. And we had researchers in the field from all different disciplines. So we had a sociologist and a medical anthropologist and a psychologist, um, all coming from different areas but all studying grief. And then there were healthcare professionals, so oncologists, um, nurses, people who were kind of on the front line. And what I did was, uh, with my collaborators, which um, are Karen Fergus and 
uh, at York University in Toronto, and Michelle Fine and Judith Cooper-Smith at City University of New York, and Robin Stern from Columbia. Uh, we brought together all of these people together for a one-day conference in Toronto, and then there's going to be a one-day conference in New York. Yeah, and Heidi will be going to the one in New York, which will be great. And I, I just wanted to hit on, you gave me some points earlier on some of the things that all these wonderful people coming together learn from. And one of them was, they're, they're pretty basic and simple, but really strong. One of them is people li- need to listen to grievers, which is one reason that Heidi and I love Open to Hope, the radio show, the articles and things, because it does give professional people an opportunity to come in and listen to real grievers on the radio show and to read, you know, what people have to say. And for students, too, to be able to come in and actually hear this information, because I, I don't think we do listen to grievers that much. No, I totally agree with you. And I think that perspective at the meeting, so in the morning, um, it was more research talks and in the afternoon there were breakout discussion groups where all of these people got together and one of the questions was, um, you know, what is done well in the field or what is done well in the area of grief and loss and what isn't done well and one of the things that was really brought up over and over again was that, you know, people who are experiencing it and going through it in the present moment, a couple years afterwards, we need to listen to them and ask them what they need. Okay, now now let me ask you a question. Here I am. I've just had a loss. What if my health care giver is not listening to me? What do I do? What if I know they're not listening to me? The, you mean the physicians and the... No, I'm a person who's just lost their child. What do I do when, the, yeah, the physicians and are not hearing me? Well, yeah. Yeah, what do I do? I, I think it would be, I, I have to be honest, I think it would be really, really hard to get... Um, some healthcare workers like physicians to listen, but um, one thing is that most hospitals and healthcare centers have a palliative care um, unit or a palliative care consultant, um, and they are much better at at dealing with bereaved families than are the medical professionals. And there is, you know, this is one of the other things that came out of this meeting is that there is this enormous gap between what's available at certain healthcare centers and hospitals, certainly in Canada that's true, and how much physicians refer um, families to those services. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's the same um, in the States, but um, I think what we're trying to do from the research end, and um, part of my research is in looking at the grief of healthcare professionals and how that's influencing how they're responding to patients. Yeah, that's a that's a good question, yeah. I mean, if I haven't grieved my losses, how am I going to help somebody else grieve theirs? I want to distance that. And plus, I'm an, I have a nursing background. Sometimes we don't have time, you know, to really spend the time with, with people that we could. Have you got any thoughts on uh, on people who, you know, have not gotten support from the health community? It's that's a that when you asked that question, I thought that is a really hard question. I think, like mm-hmm. Leah said, go to go to people, go to people that can be advocates for you, because mm-hmm. sometimes you know you're so overwhelmed by your own grief, you do need to reach out to other people that can kind of advocate for you, whether it be relatives that are a little distant from it or or other professionals. But mom, that's a, I don't have. Yeah. Well, I have to tell you one thing. Uh, when we've had people on before, there have been some people that have really been angry with the health care that they got after a loss. And one of the things that we recommend and have been, if you have been very, very upset about something that's happened in your health care community, write a letter. 
write a letter to the newspaper, write a letter to whoever, and uh, tell them, you know, have it out there that you didn't, didn't like the treatment that you had. You know what comes up for me in all this, Mom, is David Browning and all the work he's doing. Right. With the, the initiative for pediatric palliative care, how he's going into the hospitals and creating a level playing field between the, administ- the hospital administration and the people that are on the front lines that are grieving and having them, the people that are grieving, educating the professionals. And then he's making mm-hmm. training videos, and he's out of Newton, Massachusetts, and is also one of our writers. And he's done amazing things to educate the medical community on what grievers need. Anyway, it's a real hard nut to crack. And Liette, thank you for being on the show. And, and thank you for all that, all that you're doing. Um, Heidi's going to be going to your, uh, the activity that you do in New York City. And uh, it should be wonderful. Yeah. And uh, it should be great. And we'll look forward to your research coming out. And uh, thanks for all that you do to help everyone. And thanks for being on the show today. Thank you very much. Well, you've been listening to the Open to Hope show today, and we hope that you'll visit us on our website and go in and comment on our articles. We have some wonderful articles. You can comment at the end. Uh, You can tell us your story. We're very interested in hearing your story. And we always want to remind you to, if you've lost hope right now, to lean on ours till you find your own. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, Others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.